0: You ready to hear from the Word this morning? I'm kind of, as I act, these, these series, of, they're kind of like my kids, you know, like, I hate to see them go, you know, when this, this is, I just, you know, I, I, I title them in my, and I save them in my, my iPad and, uh, and in my computer and all this, you know, pray this way, week one, you know, so I know where I'm at, pray this way, week two. I couldn't hardly believe, I think it's week Six? Seven. I don't know if you've been following along. I don't know if you really care. But anyway, I couldn't believe that it was this long. I, like, But this is week seven. That's what I have here. Pray this way week seven. Um, but it's important that we step through uh, how to pray and what the Lord um, guides us, how he guides us through this prayer process. And I've been praying all week for myself and praying for all of you because we've been in this series a while. And, and what is the Lord and I really think we've dug in I think we now we get a full picture of what the disciples were asking back in Luke 11 when they said this Lord teach us to pray when they were asking Lord teach us to pray and Jesus in, in, in a short synopsis of how we see Jesus answering this answers this in Matthew chapter 6 he says in this manner pray our Father in heaven that was week one, right? We talked about our Father. Hallowed be your name. Worship your name. Praise your name. Your name is holy. Your name is a holy, holy name. And we are so not, and you are so holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. you got to go back and listen to these messages um, and, and see how the Lord will speak to you even now uh, through this. And then we get we went on to our daily bread, right? Give us our daily bread. This isn't something that's just happens one time and it's done. God is giving us daily provision, daily guidance, daily, He speaks to us daily. It's daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Remember we were saying that this is this is about us and how we live affects other people. And we said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And everything has been our Father. Give us our bread. Give us, forgive us. It's always been us. God forgive us, not just me. It's us. Jesus said, make sure it's it's inclusive about, you know, for the whole family. Because what you hold on to affects what this person sees and what this person reacts to. It's just, we are all connected in some way. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. We talked about that last week. But deliver us from the evil one. We said, God, first of all, let's lead us. Before we even get not into temptation. But it says, God, lead us. God, lead us. We allow Him to lead us. And then finally we get to this last portion. And I hate to see it go. Some of you don't amen. For yours is the kingdom. Okay, we've made a switch. We've made a switch. Remember, it's been us. Our. Give us our bread. But now we're saying for yours. It's a switch. You See how the language changes there. It says give us. Lead us. Now it's for yours is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever and ever. I added the end ever. Amen because I'm a Randy Travis fan. Nobody this lonely. if these these are the jokes, folks, if you're not laughing now, it's gonna be a long two and a half hours. Some of you are kind of chuckling because last week we went a little long, didn't we? We did. We did. But all the way up to this point, it's been us. been us. forgive us and now it's yours so why why the switch why, why Jesus why the change what is this about for yours now what is this well what that is is it's it's return it's our worship it's saying all of this stuff and then all of it culminates in our praise our worship giving God his glory right that he deserves for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory his is the glory and, and we're looking at today this shift between or from us and ours to God, yours. Yours is the power and the glory. Yours is the kingdom. So we drill down on this, this, this idea of God's glory. And, and that's why and how we worship is, is for His glory. And we don't use the word glory a lot, right? it's, not a, it's kind of a churchy word. God's glory. You know, church people, glory. You've seen those guys, right? Love those guys, but glory, right? People, glow well, You don't use that word a whole lot. In fact, you say it more often, and you keep saying it. Sounds kind of funny. Glory, glory. But one of my favorite scriptures on worship and showing God, showing His glory, it is found, and we're going to make a, a jump over um, to the Old Testament. It, it, one of my favorite stories and accounts in the scriptures about God showing His power, His kingdom ruling, and His glory is found in the showdown at Mount Carmel. The showdown on Mount Carmel. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been around church a little while, you know about the showdown that happened on Mount Carmel. But others of you, you're not going to believe this moment that we're going to be able to peek into the pages of God God's Word and see this showdown happen. This is one of the most exciting, riveting accounts in Scripture that really shows off the one true God's glory and power. And I stole the, the subject that I'm going to preach from this morning. from a a book title that I read several years ago and keep kind of peeking into once in a while. And it was was by Jim Simbola, I believe. It was called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Anybody familiar with that book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire? A few. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And that was the title of a book, but that's exactly what we're going to be preaching about and hearing about this morning. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. In fact, can you say that with me this morning so I know you're still awake? Say it with me. Fresh Wind fresh fire. Very good, very good. And that's what we're all about in our lives. Maybe for you, if you're honest, you're in a season, and I'm, not, I'm talking about you as a believer, where you really need some fresh fire. You need the fire of God to fall. You're in a season of life, and I'm not talking about someone who doesn't know about faith this morning. I'm talking about us as believers. You're in a season of life where you need fresh fire in your life. You, you can say that a lot of different ways, right? A lot of people have said that in a lot of different ways throughout the years. It depends on what church service you attend or, or listen to or watch online. Some say, you, I need a touch from God this morning. <laughs> Some say you need God to show up in your life in a powerful way. I get that. You need the joy of your salvation that you had at the first. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. You need that all over again in your life. And you need a new level of consecration, churchy word, and devotion of intimacy with God. That's exactly what we see as the backdrop when we turn to 1 Kings 18. So if you have your Bibles or your apps, or it'll be on the screen. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. In our series, Pray This Way. After a long time, Y'all have it? First Kings? Amen. There's one. There's one. There's two. Alright. First Kings. In the very first, it's setting up the story of the showdown of Mount Carmel. It says this. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So we've got to pause already. We gotta, we gotta pause already. Someone here this morning can identify with that the a, a, a long time. After a long time. It's been the third year in our account of Scripture. The third's been a while. It's been a while, after a long time. It's been a while. Some of you can, can sense that. As we talk about a fresh wind and fresh fire in your life, it's been a while. And you can say to yourself, and, and and you would say to your neighbor, it's been a while. Feel free to do that. Nobody's doing it. It's been a while. It is lonely up here this morning. People. Y'all are tired from the car cruise last night. You're all dragging. Me too. But you say a thank you. Let the wild hogs eat. (laughs) But you you might say, Pastor, it's been a while since I've sensed the presence of God, since I've even sensed the Holy Spirit. It's been a while since I knew God moving in power in my life. It's been a while since I've known and felt that I was right in the center of God's will. It's been a while since I looked in the mirror and I could actually see supernatural happening in my life. It's been a while. And it had been a long time, the Scripture says. It was three years when the Word of the Lord came to His prophet Elijah. And this is the message today. It might have been a long time. It may have been three years, or for you it may have been 15, it might have been 30 years. But the Word of the Lord, as it says in the Scripture, the Word of the Lord came to Elijah after a long time. The Word of the Lord is coming to you this morning. The Word of the Lord is coming to you today. And if nobody amens, I'm just going to have to preach on anyway. But what I'm trying to say is that God is in the midst of all of us here today. God is in the midst, and I'm not Elijah, but I'm a man with a voice, and I have the Word of God, and the Word of God is still the Word of God. And it's coming to you today. It's coming to you today. It might be the third year, or it may never happen for you. But the word of the Lord is coming today. And I would add my own little caveat to that. The word of the Lord. Buckle your seatbelt. And this is what he said. Go and present yourself to Ahab. And I will send rain on the land. Now the backdrop of this story, as I said, there had been a drought. There had been a drought in all of the land. So for three years they've seen no rain. And three years, we're, in, we're three years into uh, the crops that are withering. We're three years into people rationing their water. We're three years into the, into the prayer for a miracle from God. We need showers, God. We need a downpour. We need rain in our lives. And I'm just asking it at the very beginning of this preaching moment this morning. Is anyone in that place today? It's been a while. And I need God's rain to rain down on me. I'm in a drought. You know it's dry out there, right? It don't rain much around here in the summer anymore. This summer. The ground is hard and cracked. And it's a drought. And it's dry. If any of you have planted anything this year, it's been a little rough. You'd have to figure all that out, right? Watering cans and sprinklers and all of this thing. And I get it. Believe me, I'm in there. I'm right there with you. But it's a drought. And, and, and Elijah's in the time that he's... He's prophesying this. He's saying, you know what? We're in a drought. It's been a while. It's been three years. And some of you would say, well, I'm in a barren place in my life. And I need some fresh showers, some fresh rain. We sing that song. It talks about God's rain raining all over us. And he says, fall into the soil of our lives. And if that's you today, this is your day. A showdown at Mount Carmel. I'll give you kind of the postage stamp, the little, the little, the little snapshot of it, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. At this moment, Israel had turned their back on God. At, at this time, uh, King Ahab was the king then, and he was a wicked king, and they were serving the idols of the of the day, the idols of all the people that were around them. But there was a voice, Elijah, speaking on behalf of God. A prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God, and then this. So this voice says this voice mouthpiece for God Elijah um, he, he goes to Ahab and the king says bring all of your prophets and meet me at Mount Carmel so 850 prophets show up at Mount Carmel and they have 450 prophets of the god Baal and 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah so now 850 prophets show up and there's one man of God Elijah and he throws down the challenge he says, "All right, build two altars, get two bulls. You put one bull on your your altar, and you call on your God." I could see just—I think Elijah was a little sarcastic, and we'll see some of that here coming up. He was a little—he got his digs in where he could, and I love—I love that because you know God's been working on me and my sarcasm in the last twenty years, and uh, He's still working on me. <laughs> the quote is that I hear often from several people, uh, you're not as funny, people don't think you're as funny as you think you are, right, so I think Elijah might have dealt with some of that in his life, so he says, you come, you put your bull on your altar, we'll put our bull on my altar, and I'll call on Yahweh, the one true God, and you call on what you call your gods, and we'll see what happens here today on Mount Carmel. And as you read the text all afternoon, the prophets of Baal and Asherah go first, and they call on their God, and nothing happens. And Elijah has one of those moments where he just get he just loves to kind of twist it a little bit. And he sort of has this moment in the flesh, I think. And Elijah says, "Where is your God? Well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's dozed off. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe it's that time of year and your God went on a trip. Maybe he's out of town. Or maybe your God is just hard of hearing. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe you should call louder. And Elijah knew. He goes, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead, Call louder. Go ahead. And so they do. They cry louder and louder and louder. And then all afternoon nothing happens. And their sacrifice still sits on the wood. And finally it's Elijah's turn. And he prays and he says this, Dear God in heaven, let it be known today that you are the God of heaven and you are the God of earth. In other words, he was saying, God, you get your glory right now. Right now. He said, you know, God, in the the face of 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, fire fell from heaven. And it burned up the sacrifice, burned up the altar, and burned up even the ground and everything. There was just one scorched piece of earth in that spot after the fire came down on that spot. And in that moment, the people knew that there is one true God, and His name is Jehovah God. He is Yahweh God. He's the one who was and is and is to come. This is the true God. Fire fell on that mountain. And I just believe that that's the story for a lot of us today. A lot of us today, I want that fire. I want the fire. I want fire to fall in my life. I don't want to just go through the motions of being in this thing called church. I don't want to just show up at church, read my Bible, have my daily devotional out of duty, or just, you know, kind of share my version Bible plan with my friends, and then six months from now or six years from now, my life looks exactly like it did today. I want fresh wind and fresh fire in my life. Well, how do I get it? Well, we give God the glory. That's how we get it. We give God the praise. And if that's you this morning, pay close attention as we kind of unpack this because there's a way for you to experience fresh fire and experience the fresh wind of God today in your life. The same as what happened on Mount Carmel. The first thing I want you to see about this story is the climate of the day. The climate, we have to unpack a little bit and dis- discuss what the climate is in this moment. And basically the climate, in a nutshell, is that the people of God have become infatuated with the idols of their world. In other words, when they started this journey, God delivered them out of Egypt. and But now they're into the promised land and all there are all these idols of the nations around them. And they're sort of mixing and matching and, and infatuated with the stories of some of these other little G gods. And you see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6 if you want to kind of cheat over there because God already understands that this is going to happen. So he's trying to prepare them for the pathway to success. He, he, he He's always one step ahead of you. God is trying to prepare you for the best in your life. So God led them out of Egypt and out of bondage and into the promised land. And that's what he's trying to do for us too. He, 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 you know, the world sees, sees you turning. They see you being delivered. They see God providing and God does provide. And the world would turn this around and say, you know what? No, no, no. If you, if you, if you follow God for, like, wholeheartedly, like you're all in following God and, and saying yes to Jesus, he, he wants to lead you out of the promised land. The world would say, no, no, no. You're going to get denied all these things. You're not going to be in the promised land. You're going to be in, in wasteland. You're going to be in bondage, in fact. You're going to be tied to so many rules and regulations that that's not freedom. That's what the world says. Constantly saying he's leading you out of more and into less. Would you agree? Church, are you with me? But God has always been leading his people out of less and into more. Always. Out of slavery and into freedom. Out of bondage into freedom. And he wants to do that for every one of us. And we've got to speak against the enemy at the beginning of of this whole thing. Because some of us are sitting in the room and honestly going, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust God I don't know if God has my best interest at heart I I don't know if God really wants to lead me into this promised land you're talking about I just, I don't know and why do you think that? because the enemy is always turning the story around and convincing us somehow that full surrender to Jesus equals less in our lives and not more and from the very beginning God was putting all of his cards on the table he says, I'm going to come down. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to part the sea. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to defeat your enemies. I mean, all these promises in God's Word. I'm going to come and I'm going to lead you into a land that already has vineyards. He led them into the promised land. He said, this land already has vineyards. It already has orchards. It has cities for you to live in. You're going to move into their cities. You can live in their houses. You can have their crops. You're going to have their fields. It's yours. The promised land is yours. You're going to have your vineyards. I'm leading you into a finished work. I'm leading you into that already. But there are going to be a few challenges. And he tells us right from the beginning. And this is where Deuteronomy uh, really speaks to me. In chapter 6, right around verse 10. Deuteronomy 6.10 When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, verse 11 houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide wells you did not dig vineyards and olive groves you did not plant then when you eat and are satisfied be careful that you do not forget the Lord now you wouldn't even think that verse needs to be in the Bible right? needs to be in there because God brought you out of all this stuff And He's bringing you into the promised land where things you didn't even need to work for. It's already there. The provision is already there. Why would that be there? Be careful you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of slavery, out of the land, or out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Can you imagine? Why would people forget the Lord? Like He delivers them out and they forget Him? Come on. I can't imagine anybody's forgetting the Lord, right? Right? Who would forget him? Imagine somebody doing that. What's wrong with these people? They're obviously not like you and me, right? I mean, there might be people you know, but I know it's not anybody in this room that would forget the Lord. I mean, right? He brought you out and He delivered you. And He provides for you. And He cares for you. You wouldn't forget Him, right? It's right there in the Scripture. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. So fear the Lord, your God. Serve Him only and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the God of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you and will destroy you from the face of this land. Now all of a sudden, this wonderful, delivering, salvation-bringing, freedom-speaking God is all of a sudden jealous. Now, no, this isn't jealous in the, in the sense of human jealousy, right? It's not that kind of jealousy. Uh, you know, he's not saying, you know, I'm, I'm a jealous God, and I get real all, uncomfortable when you spend time with so-and-so, and I'm going to give him a look across the table, like the jealous look. He's not saying that. He's saying there is no God but me. The way it says in Isaiah, my name is the Lord. I am the Lord, and that is my name, he says. I will not share my glory with another. Remember what we're talking about. Teach us to pray. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. You are God. We give Him glory. Him his, we, we worship in His kingdom. He has the glory. It's His. This is actually God defending God in this scripture. And that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But it's the root of of who we are even as a church, the defenders of God. You're like, well, God is. why does God need to defend God? Well, because most times you're not defending Him. Pull in your feet. Pull in your feet. That's why God has to defend Himself sometimes. Because a lot of times, you know, as Christians, as believers, we don't say what He tells us to say, right? We get a little timid. We get a little, what, what would they think? Well, what, I don't know how they would look at me if I said that. That's why God sometimes has to defend himself. God is the promoter of the glory of God. (laughs) Why does God have to promote the glory of God? Because if God didn't promote the glory of God, you wouldn't know about the glory of God. So the heavens declare his glory, right? Creation declares his glory. The cross declares his glory. His word declares his glory. And he himself declares his glory. And he says, I love you so much. you got to understand this. I love you so much that I don't want you to have any other gods before me. That's what he's saying when he says, don't make an idol. Don't worship it. You know, in the first four commandments, it's about him defending his glory. Why? Because, you know, because he's this, you know, complex god. Or, like He's like, nobody, you know, he, does do he have insecurities? You know, does God say, well, I need to defend myself because I'm just that insecure. No, 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 no. He defends Himself and He promotes Himself for your sake and for mine so that we can see His glory and understand the depths of His glory. A lot of times, if, if we really are honest before Him and with ourselves, we're not smart enough to figure out to have no other gods before Him. No other gods other than Him. In the vast array of gods, little g... Which god do we give our allegiance to? So he says, "I have set you free. I have brought you into the land. I am going to give you cities you didn't build, houses you didn't prepare, wells you didn't dig, vineyards you hadn't planted, orchards you had nothing to do with. I am going to give you into a fi- bring you into a finished work called salvation and the grace and the love of God." But he says, "You know what? But here is the thing: don't mess around with the other gods of the peoples around you." read the scripture for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land what was he saying don't mess around with worshipping anything else anybody else because that will be your end is what he's saying that will be your end. You see, we're all concerned, right, about, about doing the wrong thing, or we're all concerned about stepping an inch over the line when we're trying to have this works-based sort of salvation, right? People say, well, I don't want to do... Uh, uh, did I go somewhere I wasn't supposed to go, God? Did I do something or did I say something I wasn't supposed to say, God? You know, because that's what God's concerned about, right? All the, all the little... Ins, and He is concerned about that, and I'll show you that in a few minutes. But don't misunderstand me. He does. He is concerned. But what God is most concerned about in our life today. Oh, I thought he was concerned about whether I perform this way or that way. Yeah, okay, he is. But we'll we'll get to that. I thought he was concerned about, you know, don't, what's the old phrase? Don't, Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. Right? I thought he was concerned about that kind of stuff. Isn't that what God's concerned about? You know, don't start dancing. Is this dancing? Is this dancing? What's dancing? Is this dancing? What's dancing? I thought God was concerned about all what kind of music I listen to and and all that kind of stuff. He is concerned. But he says the main thing is this. God is into your worship. What are you worshiping? because he knows when your worship is right your life will be right and if your life is right as a result of your worship then you're going to have the right kind of heart and you can, you can change your behavior you can change all of that stuff but never, never, never change your worship that's what he's saying God is after your affection he wants you to open your eyes and see who he is and in this climate in the time of Elijah the people of God were infatuated with the idols of the world Surely I know we would never become infatuated with the idols of our time, but they did. And when they, sent, and when they did send uh, the, the prophet Elijah, God sent a call to these people. The call was the voice of Elijah. And the voice of Elijah was the only voice there could be. He was courageous, and he was willing, and he stepped up. And God sent a message, by the way, through a man who was running ahab's palace the guy came and said hey we need to talk to you elijah and elijah said yeah i know ahab's been looking for me and i know jezebel especially wants to take me out ahab and jezebel were a thing go back and read it in the scriptures i don't have time this morning but go back and read it in the scriptures you know jezebel sort of ran that 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 kingdom it wasn't exactly ahab ahab was kind of a yes man someone said that um the last decision ahab ever made was i do so he so he married Jezebel and she was even more wicked and she kind of ruled the kingdom and if you've noticed that's sort of a derogatory term even that we use today right Jezebel how many how many know about that right There's a, it's a derogatory term you don't see too many little girls named Jezebel do you like none and if they do someone was just flipping through a book of names and picked it but Jezebel especially wanted to take Elijah out. And, and the, man of the, the man from the kingdom says this, you know what, I'm here, I need to talk with this, uh, this Elijah. When they met, this is what he said to Ahab, he said, you know, you assemble your prophets, meet me at Mount Carmel. God brought a voice into their, their world. God brought Elijah to speak into that time. And what I want you to know today is I want to know that no matter where you are, no matter how far away you are, what odds you think you have stacked against your relationship with God this morning, or how many idols are in your story, God is still bringing a voice into your life today. He's still calling out to you today. And this is what the voice is always calling, and and even what it says in, in verse 20, let's go over there. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people, and he says this, and I highlighted it. How long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Does this ring a bell to the message of the church in Revelation? If you flip back to the end of the Bible, there's a book called Revelation. And and a note to all you guys, it's not Revelations. God didn't provide a bunch of Revelations. There is one Revelation from the Lord God to His people. And it's found in the the very last book of the Bible. He says this to the church in, in Revelation. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I am going to spit you out of my mouth, the board says. And he says the same thing here. How long will you waver? You're you're, you're wavering. You've got one foot in, one foot out. How long will you waver? You're lukewarm in the book of Revelation. And lukewarm equals spit out. I used to struggle with that when I was a young Christian. Because why would God rather me be cold? Right? He said, be one or the other. Please just be one or the other. The same thing that Elijah is saying. If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal's God, follow Him. If you're cold, stay cold. If you're warm, if you're hot, be hot. I mean, it's like, if you're warm, you think that would be a good thing, right? Luke, warm. I'm warm. I'm close to hot. Warm is close to hot. Warm, you're near the fire. It means you're not like frozen. You're warm. Oh, there's some hope. You're warm, but God said, I'd rather you be cold than warm. Why? The same reason Elijah stood on this mountain and said, let's get this straight today. If you believe that God is God, then completely and totally and extravagantly give Him your life. And if you think that Baal over here is God, then completely surrender to Baal. Give Him your life. But stop going back and forth. Stop doing what we do. You think, oh man, man, we were in that service last week. I was so fired up and God the spirit fell and, and man it was such a touch of the spirit. We were singing and, and the song and everything was amazing. God answered our prayer and he came through and people were saved. People were crying, praying through and all that happened. And, and right, right, church? I mean we were all here. Come on. There's some some things happened, right? We're oh man. And then two weeks later you're having coffee with a friend you're having coffee with a friend going, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I don't know. I mean, I watched the news this morning, and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Now, I, don't now, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I went to church, and I was, I believe me, I get But I don't even know. I'm not sure. I mean, where's God in all this? You're, how long will you waver? Oh, I'm fired up. I'm praising the Lord. I'm raising my hand. I'm woo-woo! Two weeks later. I'm not sure. Where, I'm not sure even God... I'm not sure there even is a God. I mean, why would He let these all these things happen? Now, I just don't know. And what Elijah was saying, and what it says in the book of Revelation, is that you're being wishy-washy, right? You're wavering. Eh. 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 And then, you know, after you're going, I don't know about this thing. And then someone, you know, someone you know, you get that promotion. Or, or you you're, you're, you're see a friend from church get healed or something happens in your life. And you're like, yeah, praise the Lord. And then, you know, I'll go to the ends of the, Lord, ends of the earth for you, Jesus. And I'll sing the song. And I'll go anywhere. I don't care what it costs me, Jesus. And then something tra- tragic happens in your life and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's Lord or God or I don't know. I, I mean, I come to church. I mean, this. I mean, I love Jesus on Sunday, but man, Thursday it got rough, and I had to make some quick decisions, and all those decisions weren't really that great, and and I'm not sure. But then Sunday there was God, and then woo, then you're back, and then Monday happens again, and you're like, oh, oh. And you waver. And some of some of us, some of you waver, waver on certain subjects, right? You're willing to give in on certain subjects. You know, some things you won't, you won't. I mean, you're just steadfast, that you're not you're not changing. That's it. That's the way it is. God said it, that settles it, right? Done. But some things you'll compromise on. And some things you will, how long will you waver, right? Some things you'll compromise on oh I don't know I've been (laughs) I've been lonely a long time pastor and this and he likes me right now I mean I no one likes me right now but I mean he's cute and he likes me pastor oh and you compromise oh he likes me oh look at he's paying attention to me oh you don't go to church oh that's all right we'll work on that it's no big deal That's not a huge issue right now, right? I mean, it's just... Let's just hang out, right? We just met. It's all good. We'll we'll just date for two or three or five years. It's okay. I'll just pray for him. I could change him. We'll just hang out. We'll We'll just commit to each other for a few years and see how it works out. Some of us compromise. Some of us won't waver on certain things, but then on certain other areas of our life, we compromise. It's eh, not a Christian. That's all right. I I'll, could I'll, I'll, I'll change him. We're living in a culture where we're so sure, and yet we're so unsure. And Elijah is saying, "Look, it's time for somebody here today to make, today to make a decision. If God is God, follow God. And if your idol is your god, follow your idol. But make a decision." It sounds kind of crazy, but it's, he's saying, I would rather you be a thousand percent committed to one or the other than 47 percent committed to me. That's what he's saying. Why would God want me be, to be a thousand percent committed to my idol? Why would God want me to be cold rather than even lukewarm? Why would he? Because the sooner you commit a thousand percent to that idol and quit playing games... The sooner you will empty yourself, and that that thing will empty all of that, you will just expend all of your energy, and it will let you down. The sooner you commit and get let down, the sooner you turn back to Him. That's why. The sooner you get to empty, the faster it is you'll come back to Him. You'll get to empty way faster by going a thousand miles after your idol than coming into church and going, I feel good this morning and now I'm not. You waver. Don't hold on to that idol any longer. What God is saying, what Elijah says, you want fresh fire, you want fresh wind, you want fire, you want to know why there's no fire on your altar? God's saying, I'll tell you why, because you haven't made a decision and to call the God of, of Yahweh, the God Jehovah, your God. You're wavering between two opinions. You haven't made that choice. And the call of God is coming to your life today like He did it through Elijah then. Listen, if Jesus is alive from the dead, then follow Him. If your idol is going to get you what you want, follow your idol make a decision, write a blog, tweet about it, something, post it, and let us all know, and stop wavering back and forth between two opinions. Have you seen enough? Have you heard enough to know that your feet are on a cornerstone named Jesus Have you been through enough and seeing God do enough to know that no matter what the circumstance, the the situation, the climate that's all around me, the worship that's going to happen all around me, the idols that are around me, I'm standing on solid ground and that ground is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to choose to worship Him. The call came and there was a clarification. What is the clarification? God shows up and answers the question, is it Baal or is it me? God says, I'm about to clarify all that. And the fire falls. Whoosh, can you imagine? God wants to clarify that for you this morning. He wants you, He wants to answer the question for you. Is God real? Is God powerful? Can God come through and will He come through? He wants to answer that for the questions that you have this morning. He wants to answer that question in your life. He wants to clarify a couple of things. He wants the fire to fall. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up what? Somebody say it the sacrifice the sacrifice the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice yeah and the wood and the stones and the soil and all the water in the trench well what was that all about? well Elijah wanted there to be no doubt so they prayed put their bowl on the altar, prayed uh, the prophets of Baal cried out the Bible says they cut themselves and cried out, they were hysterical all day long and nothing happened and Elijah said before we do my thing let's put the bowl on there but let's get jars of water and drench the sacrifice and the wood and the altar, in fact let's dig a trench around the whole thing and fill it up with water and he did that and, and and Elijah said great, now do it again And do it again. And do it a third and a fourth time. They soaked the bull. They soaked the wood. They soaked the altar. And all the trench of water all around the altar. And the fire comes down immediately. Burns up the sacrifice and everything else. And that's what God wants to say today. Is that He wants to show Himself strong in your life. He not only burnt up what the sacrifice... That was kind of equal to their sacrifice... But Elijah said, you know what? Let's stack the deck against him. Let's wet the bull. Let's wet it four or five times. Let's just soak the thing. You try and light wet wood? How many campers in the house? Right? I've been there. Dad, what's wrong with the fire? I don't, I don't know. Trying to, I don't know. The newspaper is burning, but the wood's just sitting. I don't know. It's wet wood. So Elijah says, you know what? Let's pour water everywhere. Water all over the wood, all over the trenches, all over everything. And let's see if it gets burnt up. And it did. Everything got burnt up. The Lord is wanting to show himself strong. He wants to show himself as the one true God in Elijah's story and in your story. But he can't bring fire unless there is first a sacrifice. The key word all worship revolves all worship involves sacrifice and please understand me that the fire is not going to fall on your 365 day Bible reading because you had to the fire is not going to fall on that the fire is going to fall when you put hear me church sacrifice the fire of God will fall when you put something on the altar Help me preach this, church. The fire of God will fall when you put something on the altar. So what was the sacrifice then? Certainly it wasn't the bowl. They had a bowl. Certainly it wasn't the wood. Baal's prophets had wood. It wasn't an altar. They had an altar. What was the sacrifice? It wasn't the bowl. They had a bowl. What was the sacrifice? Some say it was the water because they were in a drought, right? And to pour water on this thing was actually... I mean, they were in a drought. It hadn't rained. They had to ration their water. Water was like a commodity. Like, we don't waste water. And, and they would put the water on it by saying, we're pouring our very livelihood right on this altar. We're basically taking every, the most, one of the most prized possessions that we have, this water, and we're pouring it out on the altar. What was the sacrifice? Some say that it was the, the water... And that may be true, but I think the water was partially about showing God how serious Elijah was. And partially about making sure that there's like no hidden agenda here. There's no, uh, there's no like, you know, spark underneath this thing. We're not stacking it for God to show off. This is like God, Elijah saying, you know what, we're going to wet this thing down so you all know that there's no possible way this thing would light other than fire from heaven. We've drenched everything. And the only way this thing's coming alive is if fire comes down from heaven in a massive, strong way and consumes it all. So if it wasn't the bowl, if it wasn't the wood, stones, and ultimately maybe it simply wasn't just the water, what was the sacrifice that Elijah was portraying in all of this? The sacrifice was his faith. His faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith... It is impossible to please God. Forget about these scriptures, right? We forget about that stuff. Like, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you know what Elijah is saying? He's saying, you know what? There's no plan B. There's no plan C. There's no going back. Either fire's going to fall from heaven and God's going to be glorified or I'm going to be killed. That was Elijah's choice. So Jehovah really, Jehovah God's gonna win either way in my life, Elijah says. Either fire's gonna come down and lick all this up, or I'm gonna be killed. Either way, I'm gonna see Jehovah today. There's no backup plan, there's no way out. This faith that he's sacrificing, he's saying, you know what? This is my all in hope in Jesus. This is it. I'm laying it on the altar. That's an extravagant sacrifice. That grabs the attention of God in heaven. Remember, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen. Sacrifice. You want fire to fall from heaven? You want something, you want a touch from God, you want God to answer, you want a fresh wind, a fresh fire, put something on the altar. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your time, maybe it's, uh, you know, not waiting to the last possible second, hitting snooze seven times. Getting up, doing your hair, and you're out the door. Maybe it's getting up a little early and spending some time with him. Maybe it's a sacrifice of time. Maybe it's, I don't know what the sacrifice is for you, maybe it's, maybe it's your kid's. Now, I don't mean literally, good night. Don't send me emails. But maybe, hear me church, maybe you're worshiping at the altar of your children. And your life revolves around your children. Your, your children are important. But maybe you need to put God first. What's your sacrifice? What's your sacrifice? You'll get no fresh fire from heaven until there is sacrifice on the altar. What do you need to lay down? You know, this, this word that's mentioned in First Thessalonians, and we talk about it a lot in the church of the Nazarene in some circles, this word sanctification, and I've said that the, the definition of sanctification is nothing, absolutely nothing between me and God. That's the simplistic view of sanctification. Absolutely nothing between me and God. That's living the sanctified life. So, what is it that you need to sacrifice on the altar? What is that thing that's between you and God always? It might be a very, very good thing in your eyes, in your family's eyes, in the world's eyes. It may be a very good thing. What is that thing that's standing between you and full surrender to God? And then you get the fresh fire. What is that thing? What is the sacrifice that you have to make? I can't answer that question for all of you but what is that thing that one thing that you say you know what I would serve God with all of my heart soul mind and strength I would serve him with everything I got I just you know I have this class well I just have you know we have these activities and we can't miss them that's just the way it is you know my job I, I just really need to this is this is serious this could change your life if you let it this is a life changing message from the word of God If you want fresh fire you want God intimately involved in your life apparently he, he delivered them to the promised land he has something for you what's standing between you and him what's the sacrifice you need to place on that altar in order to get a fresh fire from him we're going to close with a song but before we all sing it together I would ask you to stand this morning in closing And this is what we do every week, but we want to just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me through this this morning? God, how do I respond to the message I just heard? These aren't just words coming from a page. This is the Spirit of God ministering to you. This isn't a motivational speech or something nice to hear on a Sunday morning. I'm not Elijah, but I'm a man and the Word of God is the Word of God. And the Word of God changes people will you let the word of God change you this morning what is it that stands between absolute surrender to God between you and him what sacrifice do you need to place on the altar to receive fresh wind and fresh fire from him would you bow your heads this morning with me as we go before the Lord and we reflect on the message that we just heard. Is there something you need to settle between you and God? Is there a sacrifice? Is there something you need to just lay it on the altar? Because you want what the Bible is talking about, this fresh wind. You want this relationship with God. You want it so bad. You want hope in hopelessness. You want life in death. You want the experience we're talking about being sold out to Christ accepting Jesus's sacrifice on the cross for you you want to live for him you know that you've had it in the in the pit of your stomach the whole time i stood where you stand i know what the, what the holy spirit does in situations like this one of the characteristics of the holy spirit is that he's he's he convicts And convicts means he gets in and he drills down into that thing that's in between you and God. And he says, yeah, yeah, it's that thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's that thing. It's different for everyone, I know that, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. He works through messages like this and he gets there and he kind of worms his way in and moves in and out of the rows. And he says, yeah, it's that thing. If you're open and honest before God and with yourself this morning, you say, God, what is the thing that I need to sacrifice on the altar to get that fresh fire in my life. Well, yeah, it's that thing. You know it. So as we pray this morning, I pray that you would do business with the Holy Spirit. That you would do business with God this morning and you would say, God, whatever that thing is, and you know what it is, God, I sacrificed that on the altar this morning. I need your guidance your provision i need a life spent worshiping you yours is the kingdom yours is the glory forever yours is the power i want in my life and as we pray and close this morning i pray that you would do business with the holy spirit and you would say yeah that's i know that's what it is i need to lay it on the altar i need to sacrifice that so i can live a life worthy of my calling in Christ because God has sent a messenger to you this morning it's the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to your heart right now so as we pray Heavenly Father yours is the kingdom and the power and yours is the glory so God all of the things that we've heard about the showdown on Mount Carmel and there's so much more God, I suppose the one thing that we want to take away from this is what are you saying to us this morning, Lord, in regards in regarding the sacrifice that we need to make in our life? God, we say we love you. We say we want to serve you, Lord, but there's just something between you and us. God, there is no fresh wind, no fresh fire. The fire cannot fall unless there's a sacrifice. So God, as we bow our heads this morning, And as we search, Lord, and seek the Holy Spirit together, both online and in this room, I pray, God, that if there's one person here who needs to sacrifice whatever it is, there's just something between them and you that they are just wrestling with right where they stand or right where they watch. God, I would pray that you would help that individual this morning sacrifice whatever that is on the altar and receive all that you have for their lives and as we're praying and as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed I want to pray for you I want to lift you in prayer if that's you this morning you didn't come here by accident you don't have to leave here the same as you came in But if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to sacrifice this thing that's in my life. I need to lay it on the altar. If you need to physically come to this altar and symbolically lay it down on an altar so that God can fill your life with His blessing, with His provision, you can realize His glory in your life today. You don't have to be the same as when you came in. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anyone. But you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to sacrifice something on that altar this morning. I need God's fresh fire in my life. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. Bang, bang, bang. Pan's going up everywhere. Thank you. Appreciate your obedience. Thank you. If God's spoken to you this morning and said, I need you to lay that down and serve me wholeheartedly. Say, Pastor, I've got a sacrifice I need to make on that altar this morning, and I'm here to do it. I'm going to do it this morning. One more chance. My left to my right, I'm looking across. Is there anybody else? Just say, that's me. We're not going to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. People doing business with the Holy Spirit of God, not concerned about... You know, the the frills. They want to do business with the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you know what? I'm serious about this thing. I'm serving God with all my heart. Sacrificing. I'm doing it here this morning. Last chance and then I'm going to pray for you and we'll go. See, Pastor, that's me. I'm sacrificing it on the altar this morning. I'm serving Him with all of my heart from here on out. Amen. Amen god you are stirring the hearts of your people even as we speak and as we pray and father i pray that those who have had the courage to to raise their hand another one good amen the dozens of people that had the courage to say lord that's me there are some things that i need to get straight things i need to sacrifice at the altar this morning god people are doing business with the holy spirit folks that's exciting that is exciting it's exciting for the, for the family of God, but it's exciting for individuals. Lord, and we lift those individuals up. We lift each and every person individually before you this morning, God, who said, I need to make this sacrifice and serve him wholeheartedly. I need to let a few things go. I need to let something go. I need to sacrifice on the altar so that I can get that fresh wind and fresh fire in my life recognize who you are and what you're about, Lord, and that you get the glory. And I want the Lord I want the world and my family and friends to see, Lord, that I am wholeheartedly sold out and serving you with everything that I am. And so, Lord, these have had the courage to say that's me this morning. I pray, Lord, that they would go from here, Lord, they would know that they met with the Holy Spirit. They would know that they heard from God on high this morning and the things in their life are about to change because they chose you it may be tough it may be a sacrifice it may be hard but God I pray that during the process you would show them you would put people in their lives that would continue to encourage them you would bring scripture to their minds and right in front of their eyes Lord that would be just what they need in that time And we as a church body, Lord, will continue to pray for those individuals, Lord, that said, I need a fresh fire from heaven. I thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're about to do in individuals' lives and in this church's life. I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have to worship together. I thank you, Lord, for the technology that we have to reach our online congregation. Lord, hearts and lives have been changed in this place because your Holy Spirit has been here and we've honored you and we've given you the glory this morning. God, we love you. We thank you this morning. As we go from this place, may we not depart from your presence. In Jesus' powerful name we pray and it's for His sake. And everyone said amen and amen. Before you go, I wanted to close with a song. And this is one I'm sure you all know. Some of you won't even know the need the words on the screen. But it speaks about God's glory and how great He really is. Amen? Let's sing it together. Randy's going to play us out of here and we'll sing it together. Oh, Lord. Hey, Randy. There we go.
1: When I in awesome wonder consider all thy hand have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displays. My Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, and when I think that God, His Son, not to die, I scarce can take it in, that on that cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. my sin, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art let's sing the last when christ shall come With shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy will fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art
0: lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you as you leave this place in jesus name this morning amen and amen